Hello and welcome to episode number 127 of the Random Thoughts Podcast. That's R-A-N-D-U-M-B Thoughts.com online. I am your host, Darren O'Neill, and on today's show, we're going to be talking a little bit about NFTs, non-fungible tokens. You may have heard that term recently. It's been all over the place as crypto is taking off the NFT market is going a little bit insane and i wanted to kind of look into this how it works and whether or not it's going to be the future of collectibles or if it's just going to be another beanie baby thing if you're old enough to remember the beanie baby craze you know that quite often these things take on a life of their own have massive amounts of value attached to them for the short term, but then in the long term, go back down to near zero, which cryptocurrency is in that same boat. Bitcoin, especially because even I believe if cryptocurrency ends up winning out as something that is used on a daily basis by normal average folks i don't know if that's going to be bitcoin there are still so many fees and everything attached to cryptocurrency and that is also one of the issues with the nfts and we'll be talking about that as well when it comes to mining or minting these things instead of mining where you would mine crypto you would mint the nft because it's something that you're creating but that's on the blockchain so it is a similar type of concept as bitcoin or ethereum which these nft pieces normally seem to use as far as i can tell that in this case every token is unique that's the difference that it's why it's a non-fungible token if something is fungible that means you can exchange it for something because there are multiple things that are the same. So if you have one Bitcoin, you can exchange that for another Bitcoin. They're both worth exactly the same because they are, in fact, the same thing. With the NFTs, the non-fungible tokens, every token is unique and it can represent anything. It's being used right now for artwork, which can be a computer image, a JPEG or PNG. It can be something that moves like a GIF or a short video clip. It can be an audio clip. Almost any digital asset you can attach to this and turn it into a collectible because that's what you're doing here overall with the nfts is turning a little piece of digital media into a collectible and these things they are transferable which means if i buy an nft i can turn around and sell it much like if you had baseball cards that people are kind of con making that connection between these new nfts non-fungible tokens and things like baseball cards but of course with a baseball card you have something that you can see in your hand 
You can have it in your house. And if somebody wants to buy it, they actually then take the physical object where that's not what happens here with the NFTs. The value on these things are going crazy. Some of these things are going for millions of dollars. Jack Dorsey did an auction for the very first tweet he made, and it was well over $2 million, which I still can't wrap my head around. But then again, I'm the guy who still can't wrap my head around why Bitcoin is worth anything. So take my opinion with a bit of a grain of salt, because these virtually are virtual trading cards. So I know virtually used it twice. That was bad. But these are virtual trading cards that when you have one, you own it. It's on the blockchain and you can prove that you own it. So it doesn't matter what the virtual trading card is of. There are artists, Kings of Leon's releasing some stuff using the NFT method. A lot of artists are doing this. And I looked into how this works and what it costs. And it's an interesting system. It's easy to do, but the cost can start running a little bit crazy. I mean, you're asking yourself, where is the value in this? If I buy somebody's tweet, if I buy Jack Dorsey's first tweet, what do I really get? You get nothing. You get a token that says you own it. But of course, that tweet still exists on the Internet. When you buy digital artwork, the digital artwork still exists on the Internet. Like any other digital file, you can make copies of it until you're blue in the face. You can make a billion copies of that MP3 or that JPEG or PNG image, whatever it is. There can be a billion copies of it. But what you're buying is you can prove because of the blockchain that you have the one, the original. And that is the concept that people are trying to sell on this. I'm still not sold on it. But then again, I'm the idiot that didn't think Bitcoin was going to be worth anything. The concept is, well, let's talk about a famous painting. Let's talk about the Mona Lisa. Well, there's only one Mona Lisa. And that is worth millions of dollars. Now, you can recreate the Mona Lisa. So you could then either take a photograph of it. You can get a high resolution scan. You can reproduce something that to somebody, if they came in and looked at it while it was on your wall, they'd be like, hey, that looks like the Mona Lisa. They may not even be able to tell that that's not the original Mona Lisa, but it's not. You know it's not. I know it's not. It's a copy. And this is how the concept here with the NFTs is being treated, which, well, yeah, if you buy this piece of art from this artist, I mean, you own the real one. You know, a billion other people may have copies of it, and it looks exactly the same while it's up on their phone screen or computer monitor or whatever, but you are the one that owns the real one. And I think that's a little bit crazy, but collectibles quite often are a little bit crazy. Why are some baseball cards worth hundreds of thousands of dollars? It's because people will pay it. 
And that is where the marketplace is on anything. It's no different here on the non-fungible tokens. If somebody decides that the token is worth something, if they want to be the one that can say, hey, I own this piece of art, whatever it is, they will pay it. And it's happening right now. Whether this is a long-term thing or whether folks will get tired of this as quick as they got tired of the Beanie Babies, nobody knows yet, but that would be a cautionary tale for anybody before they start jumping into this. And it's not hard to jump into this. I mean, the hardest thing is getting the cryptocurrency in order to get on these exchanges, the ones like Rarible and OpenSea. These work on Ethereum. And I have a little bit of Ethereum to play around with because I've been mining that. I think I talked about that on a previous episode here or over on the other podcast I do called Grumpy Old Ben's where you let the computer sit overnight and just work on some things. And after a while, it uh, pays off and you get a few bucks. So I have a little bit of Ethereum to play around with. I'm like, well, let's see how this whole art thing works. And I've been attempting, and yes, attempting, the process is not complete yet. I've been attempting to get a piece of art that I did for the No Agenda show, the corn pop art. I know a lot of people love the corn pop art. So I was like, well, this would be a really good test to see if anybody is dumb enough. I mean, crazy enough. I mean, artistic enough, you know, smart enough to get in on the ground level of this, to be able to buy that piece of art. I mean, even though it's in every MP3 of that show and it's on various websites and you can go and you can download a copy of it, maybe you want to buy this one of one that I am creating, and that would be great because it helps the artist. There's no question. And that is where I think this is going more of a value for value kind of a thing where people that want to be able to be patrons of artists, this is a different way to do that. And it gives them something in the digital sphere that they can then turn around and resell if they want to or brag about owning it or whatever it is. But the value on this is all going to be quite interesting as we move forward. But this mining of a token where, well, I'm sorry, minting of a token. Mining is what you do when you're dealing with crypto like Bitcoin or Ethereum. That's when your computers sit around and they do math problems. And then when they find the right thing, get some value to them. That's where the crypto comes into your wallet. In this case, you're not mining, you're minting. So I took that piece of art, that corn pop art, and I went over to Rarible because that seems like it's the most used, at least easiest to use at this point. Although, again, there are others, exchanges, they call them, that you can use to buy and sell this type of artwork. Now, to mint the artwork, basically that is taking whatever you give it. Again, could be a PNG. It can be an MP3. Your digital file, you tell it what it is. You give it a name. You can set a buy it now price, basically. Or you can have it go off for auction. 
either way, you tell it what little asset you want to add. You give it a name, put a few other bits of information in there, and then you have to go through the minting process. And what the minting process does is take your digital file, whatever that is, and it assigns it to a token on the blockchain. And then that is your unique token that you own, that it will then be up for sale and somebody else can buy it. And that is the way this works. Now, the price on this is not cheap. So if you're thinking, hey, I've got hundreds of pieces of art that I have. And this artwork, again, could be something very simple, like a icon. There's a few of those being sold, which you don't have to have great artistic ability to sell this stuff, it seems. But it can be an animated GIF. It can be a photograph, whatever you want, whatever digital file you can throw at it. MP3, again, if you want to go audio. When you go through this process of minting, the price is going to vary immensely depending upon what the current gas price for Ethereum is. Now, I've been looking on and off over about the last day and a half and watching these prices before I actually mint this piece. Because the prices have been anywhere from about $40 to mint the piece up to over $80. And it depends how busy the system is at that time. So if you got in really early on this before the Ethereum infrastructure was being overloaded, you would have gotten a much better deal. But right now, because of the interest in these tokens, and the amount of people that are trying to mint them, the prices are going a little bit crazy. So just in order to create them, you're looking at somewhere, you know, in that 50 to $80, maybe even up a little bit more than that to have the piece created. And then if it sells, well, you can hopefully recoup that money. Rarible looks like they take two and a half percent, which seems relatively fair. But it's not a cheap thing to get into. So don't think, well, you know, this sounds great. People are making tons of money on this. I can go put up a thousand pieces and just see what sells. That's not really the case because that's going to cost you a lot of money to list a thousand pieces. Now, if you're somebody that has a huge following that maybe has way too much expendable income, then that might make sense. But for the average person, you'll put one up and go, oh, my God, is this going to happen? Are people going to buy this and uh, see exactly where it goes? Now, if nobody buys it, you still own it. So you can then have that as a little trophy for yourself. Like, hey, here's a piece of art that I own. It's digitally signed. But I think most people are doing this to try to earn a little bit of money. I think it is an interesting way to support the artist. I won't go as far as Gary Vaynerchuk saying that he thinks this is some kind of huge revolution, although he may have been right more than I am. The interesting thing with being able to create these pieces, when you do create them, you can choose whether you want it to be a one of one. So whatever that art 
whatever that digital thing is that you're uploading, it's a series of one of one. Now, nothing's going to stop you from using that same artwork and creating another one of one. So there is a bit of trust involved when it comes to this, that you trust the artist, that you trust they actually own the image that's going up because there's really no putting the genie back in the bottle if you buy something. You, there's no refunds in anything that's dealing with cryptocurrency. So caveat emptor, buyer beware. But as somebody creating the art, you can also decide to do this as a series or not even a series, a multiple. So if I have this piece of art, just kind of like a baseball card, you can have that one of one. And of course, that's going to be worth way more money because it's a one of one. It's scarcity that drives that up. You can also say, I want to do 50 of these. I'm going to sell 50 of these. So the series has 50 in them. Everybody, you can buy one, whatever. And there's 50 of them, though, instead of being one. There are people doing whole series of things which are recreating the concept of like trading cards and things like that, which I find interesting. But of course, you're buying these things one by one. And that just seems to me like another way to make money. And I'm not against making money. I create art, so I'm more than willing to jump in on this as long as the pieces are selling for more than what they cost to mint them. And the one thing that I did think was interesting about this, it reminded me a little bit of what Adam Curry is doing over with the podcasting 2.0 things, where they're trying to bake in the ability to send value every time somebody is listening to your podcast. I mean, it's opt in. They're not forcing that, but the system will pay in small micro amounts. And you can also take a percentage and send it somewhere else. So if you have somebody that works on your podcast or whatever, you can say, hey, give them 10% of everything that comes into me. And that is baked into this concept with, with the non-fungible token. When you create it, you can decide as the person creating the token, what percentage of all future sales come back to you. So this is the rare case where the artist gets paid every time the piece of art changes hands, which is a really cool idea if you're looking at this from the aspect of people wanting to help the artists out. Now, if you are just strictly a collector and you don't care about the artist and you're just buying the piece, hoping that it's going to go up in value so you can resell it and make a profit. It's much harder to do that when the person that created this piece of art is going to take 10, 20, 30. I was thinking 33% on the piece that I'm creating because no agenda. 33 is the magic number. But that would mean, so say this token sells and whatever that is, the original sale, all the money comes to me except 2.5% goes to Rarible. But if that person, say, buys that piece of art from me for 100 bucks, and then a month later, people are like, hey, this guy's awesome. We should have bought that piece because we want it. And that guy sells the piece that he bought for 100 bucks 
for $1,000, that would be nice. Then $333 would come to me of that $1,000 if I set a 33% royalty rate on it. So the royalty rate is an interesting part of this when it comes to artists that will then keep getting a kickback every time it's sold. This isn't something that's been around long enough to even figure out if there's a sweet spot, if people really care, if they're just buying the art to have it, if there are percentages that are way too high that people just won't pay. Some of these things going up astronomically, then it doesn't really matter. If you have a high percentage as an artist, I would guess. And if it's something that people just want to pass around again in order to help the artist out, then that kind of works, I suppose. The really interesting thing about this non fungible token concept, to me anyway, is the fact that you can tie this to either digital or physical goods. Now, the digital thing makes a lot of sense, meaning if somebody buys the piece, it would unlock a higher resolution version or something in a different format that people could use themselves to go and get it printed or whatnot. But you can also tie these to physical objects, which is a mind-blowing concept when you really think about it. There was a company doing this with socks, but you could do it with anything. Say you created a hundred widgets, whatever these hundred things were. They could be anything. They could be coffee mugs. You made the greatest run of a hundred coffee mugs with the best design ever on them. You can attach those coffee mugs to NFTs and put them out there in the world with the ability for people to do the same thing as a normal NFT, which is buy and sell, do whatever they want, raise the price. It doesn't matter. If anybody decides at any given time to redeem that for an actual coffee mug, that's built into this. So this is kind of like being able to trade in collectibles that exist without ever having to touch those collectibles. You could just say, hey, I bought this mug for 10 bucks. Now somebody wants to pay 20. Great. That token is the only thing that gets exchanged. Somebody sells that token they bought for 20 for 50 bucks. That's fine. Whoever at the end of the rainbow decides they want to redeem it for the actual coffee mug, they press a button and the person that created the token, if all works right and they're still around, then would provide that person with the coffee mug. So it's a really interesting concept for things like artists, maybe that are selling VIP packages or very limited pieces of artwork. It gives the ability for people to interact with it in a way without ever having it. And I don't know if I would really be into that. I mean, I'm more into the guy that has collected baseball cards, autographed baseballs, final LPs, things that you can see, you can touch, you know they're real. But this is the new world we're going to. The younger generation doesn't have LPs. I mean, some do. But overall, they listen to their music on their phone. It's a digital file. They watch television on their phone. It's a digital file. They watch movies on their phone. It's a digital file. They talk to their friends 
over their phones, everything's a digital file. They swap photos with their friends, digital file. Everything's a digital file. So this concept may not be as crazy as I originally thought. The values being attached to it may be a little bit crazy. But in a reasonable amount of cash for these things, I can see it as something that artists will use of all sorts. Again, you can put out a limited edition album if you're a music artist. You could put out limited edition podcasts if you're a podcaster. I could say, hey, I did a version of Random Thoughts. I did an episode that's only available if you buy the token. It is just another way for people to be able to send some value and help creators continue to create. And for that aspect of it, I think this is a really interesting concept. Where it's going to go, I'm not really sure. I certainly wouldn't be recommending that people jump into this and spend millions of dollars on a piece of digital art as an NFT because it could just as easily become something that's worthless and nobody ever wants. And the short term, I think it is something that's going to be around. And once I get my piece of art up, I certainly hope somebody spends at least uh, the 80 to 100 bucks, whatever it's going to take to actually mint this thing. But if not, it gave me this episode. I've learned enough about NFTs to understand how they work. I understand the concepts and hopefully I've been able to explain them to you and let you know exactly what is going on in this space to give you an idea of whether or not you want to jump in and have a little bit of fun with it. I did see the podfather Adam Curry was getting involved with doing this on some tweets because you can sell tweets. It's the ultimate thing that nobody ever thought would be worth any value whatsoever. And all of a sudden it is. Like I said, I don't really understand it, but it's happening. And I thought you should know about it. This podcast does work on the value for value model learned from Adam Curry and John C. Dvorak over at the No Agenda podcast. And that means we do the shows. We put them out there. If you enjoy the shows, you send some value back to us in a variety of ways. The easiest, of course, is just going to randomthoughts.com, R-A-N-D-U-M-B, thoughts.com, clicking that donate button and doing a one-time donation or a monthly donation through PayPal, using the QR code if you want to go the Bitcoin route or the snail mail P.O. box if you want to go that route as well. We do have a couple of people to thank today. The first is our buddy Keith Von Dyke coming in with his monthly $10 donation, and we greatly appreciate that. Thank you, Keith. And also D.E. Midas coming in through the snail mail with $3, which is great through snail mail, because if you were to send $3 through Patreon or PayPal, that's like a dollar because of the fees and everything that comes out. I may be exaggerating a little, but not much. So the check route is always appreciated. D.E. Midas. He does a podcast with his daughter, Leela, called Fun Fact Friday, funfactfriday.com. You should check it out. It's always something interesting. But you decide what you got out of this podcast. You use one of those forms to get the value back to us. And we greatly appreciate everybody 
that has supported the show over the last couple of years and everybody that has listened. We hope you are enjoying these episodes, getting something out of them. And mainly, I just hope they're helping you get through the day, especially with the crazy COVID stuff still going on. But at least we're seeing a light at the end of the tunnel. I'll be back next Wednesday for another edition of Random Thoughts. Until then, I hope you have a great week. Buy my NFT if it ever gets listed. You know, support your artists. I am Darren O'Neill. Thanks for listening.